Welcome back. This is our fourth and final episode. Today, Crystal, Hunter, and I will be discussing problems with the judicial branch in Cambodia, political corruption, and the 20th and 21st century history of Cambodia. To start things off, Hunter is going to cover the problems with the judicial branch in Cambodia. Cambodia's Code of Criminal Procedure gives parties the right to a reasoned decision. This right is also protected by international statutes which Cambodia has signed. This requires judges to state the facts on which a conviction is based and to lay out the legal framework for their decision. In theory, this prevents the judge from making a decision without consulting legal rules and promotes fairness. Requiring a judge to give a verbal or written rationale for their decision can help to hold judges accountable for the decisions they make. It is also necessary for superior court to make their decision when an appeal occurs. Because of this, denying the right to a reasoned decision also infringes upon a person's right to an appeal. However, in practice, Cambodian judges disregard this rule more often than not. The, Cambo the Cambodian Center for Human Rights found that in 338 cases between November 2016 and August 2018, in 244 cases, the judge only announced their verdict without providing a rationale. That means that in 72% of cases, parties were denied their right to a reasoned decision. With this in mind, it is very difficult to apply the legal perspective to the case of Cambodia. Cambodian judges often do not consider legal rules or similar cases when making their decisions. The other two perspectives better explain judicial decisions in Cambodia. In terms of the political perspective, Cambodian judges are undeniably impacted by politics in the country. The executive branch of Cambodia has made steps to erode the separation and balance of power between the judicial branch and other branches in Cambodia. The judicial branch is certainly impacted by the political viewpoints of the politicians who nominate them. The third perspective given in our textbook can also explain judicial decision-making in Cambodia. Judges seek the approval of the leaders of their political party. Because of this, they often further the goals of the political party in lieu of making fair, reasoned decisions. The, Cambodia, the Cambodian People's Party, the ruling party of Cambodia, brought a case to the Supreme Court in 2017 asking the court to dissolve the main opposition party, the Cambodia National Rescue Party, abbreviated CNRP. The government of Cambodia painted their opposition as extremists and spread propaganda accusing the CNRP of colluding with the United States to overthrow the ruling party. The head judge of Cambodia's Supreme Court is a member of the ruling party's permanent committee. The Supreme Court dissolved the CNRP and banned 118 of its members from running for office for five years. Many elected officials subsequently fled the country. This kind of obvious affiliation between judges and political parties is pretty much unheard of in the United States. While judges in the United States can often be described as liberal or conservative and often have ideologies that reflect those of a political party, it is taboo for a judicial nominee to be officially part of the administration of a political party. In the United States, we, we value impartiality very highly, and most presidents seek to nominate judges that will rule similarly to their own ideology 
but at the same time are not extremely political. The lack of separation between Cambodian judges and Cambodian politics is a barrier to democracy in Cambodia. The less the Cambodian courts are able to challenge and check the power of the legislative and executive, executive branch, the more those branches can attack Cambodia's democratic institutions. They can use their unchecked power to further diminish the authority of the judicial branch. This will inevitably lead to a slippery slope in which one branch is completely subservient to the others and the ruling party continues to accumulate power. Hunter's portion now leads into my section, which is on political corruption. There is an endemic of corruption and political interference in the judiciary according to international standards of good governance and the rule of law in Cambodia. Cambodia performs so poorly on the Transparent International's Corruption Perception Index that they ranked 161 out of 180 countries surveyed in 2017. It highlights Cambodia's judiciary and courts as the most malaligned of state institutions, plagued with corruption and political interference. Cambodia's poor rule of law and performance exists despite a number of international donor-sponsored programs targeted at reforming the country's judiciary and legal landscape. It is the interest of many Cambodian elites to keep the judiciary system weak, corrupt, and subservient to their political manipulation. The courts that are formerly independent and empowered lack the practice to ensure judges do not informally rule in the interests of the regime. In the case of Cambodia, we predominantly see the latter. Cambodia's constitutional... Cambodia's courts are formally independent and empowered, but they lack the practices to ensure judges do not informally rule in the interests of the regime. While in Cambodia, constitutional guarantees ensure the independence of the judiciary, but in reality, there is a lack of adherence to formal judiciary practices and a lack of political will to ensure that the courts and judges are impartial and free from coercion and interference. This is... This is aggravated by the shortfalls in bureaucratic resources and capacity existing in most developing countries. According to the documents that govern the ECCC, the types of behavior that may constitute political interference include the disclosure of confidential information, a failure to attend court or produce evidence, destruction or tampering with evidence, interferences with witnesses, assisting a defendant to evade the ECC's jurisdiction, and an incitement to attempt any of these acts. They also define corrupt behavior that involves a judge or another individual of the court being threats, intimidation, injury, or bribes. Political corruption is also seen in the United States. We briefly covered it in a previous episode on the judiciary system, and the job of judges. 
But to recap, many judges have political affiliations and they tend to decide things in a liberal or conservative way. There are some moderates, but that's not always going to happen. And uh, if they are appointed, generally the appointee selects a judge that has a similar political affiliation to them. And finally, Crystal is wrapping things up with the history of Cambodia, just to put everything into perspective and to show how Cambodia got to this point. Cambodia has seen a rocky road which has greatly influenced how they run things. Thus, it is important to recap the country's history to understand everything we have talked about. In 1941, Cambodia was occupied by the Japanese. However, at first, they allowed the French officials to remain in their posts, but in March 1945, as the Japanese were losing the war, they desperately tried to curry favor with the Cambodians. They arrested the French officials and declared Cambodia independent. However, when the Japanese surrendered, the French took over again. This time, the French did allow the Cambodians to have political parties and a constitution. By a treaty of 1949, Cambodia was made semi-independent. Then, in 1952, King Shananuk dismissed the government and took personal control of the country. Events then moved swiftly. On November 9, 1953, the French finally allowed Cambodia to become fully independent, and in 1955, Chinook abdicated in favor of his father, and elections were held. Chinook formed his own political movement. From 1955, to 1970, he dominated politics in Cambodia so much that it was sometimes called the Chinook era. In 1960, when his father died, he named himself Chief of State. Chinook called his movement the Buddhist Socialism. Chinook's reign began to crumble in 1968 when the communists began a civil war. In 1970, Chinook left the country. While he was away, the National Assembly voted to remove him as chief of state. Cambodia was renamed the Khmer Republic. The Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. In 1975, a horrific and tragic era of Cambodian history began in the reign of the Khmer Rouge. They were led by Pol Pot. How many people were killed by Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge is not known for certain, but it is probably at least 1.5 million, and it may have been as many as 3 million. In 1975, Cambodia was mainly an agricultural country. Pol Pot decided it should be completely agricultural. That was not all. 
Religion was banned in Cambodia. People caught practicing Buddhism were executed. Family relationships were banned on the grounds that parents exploited their children. Furthermore, the smallest infringement of the rules resulted in execution. Although they were half-starved people caught foraging for food, they were executed. People were also executed for being lazy. Needless to say, anyone who complained was executed. Furthermore, the Khmer Rouge murdered intellectuals. Soon people who could speak a foreign language or who wore glasses were executed. This nightmarish situation was only ended by the war with Vietnam. The Vietnamese invaded Cambodia in December of 1978 and quickly prevailed. Unfortunately, Pol Pot escaped and he did not die until 1998. Pol Pot's soldiers fled to Thailand and they were welcomed by the Thais who feared Vietnamese invasion. The Khmer Rouge continued a guerrilla war against the Vietnamese. However, the Vietnamese forces withdrew from Cambodia in 1989. Afterwards, negotiations began among several different parties. The result was the Paris Peace Accords of 1991. Communism was abandoned in Cambodia and a provisional government ruled until 1993 when elections were held and a constitution was framed. Chinook was made a constitutional monarch. However, the Khmer Rouge refused to take part in the elections and they continued their guerrilla war. Fortunately, in 1996, Pol Pot's second in command, Lin Seri, defeated, defected in 1996. Many of Khmer Rouge troops followed him. Pol Pot himself died in 1998 and peace returned to Cambodia. Cambodia in the 21st century. In 2004, King Norodom Sanuk abdicated. His son became King Norodom Sanomi in his place. Today, Cambodia is still a poor country, but there is every reason to be optimistic about its future. In the early years of the 21st century, the Cambodian economic economy grew rapidly. The economy of Cambodia is growing strongly. The textile industry in Cambodia is booming and so is tourism. Cambodia is growing more and more prosperous. In 2005, oil was discovered in the sea off Cambodia and it holds great promise for the future. Today, the population of Cambodia is 16 million. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. That was our fourth and final episode. We hope you enjoyed yourself and learned something new.